3: Top of the 2 o'clock hour here in our nation's capital. You're tapped in to the Chris Russell Show here on the Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, sitting in for Chris Russell. Take you up to 4 o'clock before we hand things over to the DOC, Brick Doc Walker. If you're on the phone line, stay there. We'll continue to take your calls after this special guest that we got coming up. Michael Phillips, the host of MP on the Mic Wednesdays, 10 to noon, over on our sister station, 910, the fan AM in Richmond. Mike, what's going on, my man? How are you? Yo, great to be talking to you. Always good to talk ball with you, my friend. It feels like, Mike, on your show, on my show, on everyone's show, quarterback when it comes to the Washington Commanders, that's what's dominating the conversation right now. Before we brought you on, Mike, we were talking about the biggest off-season needs for the Commanders outside of the quarterback position. and Mm. I feel like I had a little bit of a spicy take here. One of the callers called in and got on my case, man. He said, how can a cornerback not be considered a big off-season need for the Washington Commanders? And I said, you got to get pass rush solved first, right? Well, yeah,
1: you know, Kendall Fuller, uh, I, I think if you lock him up, if you keep him around, you got him and St. Juice. And uh, I think we're all assuming they'll figure out Cam Curl back there at safety. That gives you a basis, a starting point, right? You, you don't have that at pass rush. You, you're yeah. starting at zero there, basically. K.J. Henry looked good, but if you were to tell me K.J. Henry is your plan right now at pass rush, I'd say you need more of a plan. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not going to cut it, just uh, K.J. Henry in spare parts. So, yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely more of an immediate need there. I'm probably going trenches on both sides. Um, tight end for me yeah, uh, for is, sure. is a big one. I don't know that there's anybody on this roster who you can say, I want that guy in there 50 snaps a game. At tight end for 17 weeks, uh, and that's an important position right now in the NFL.
3: So are we saying that the off-seasons of trying to hype up Cole Turner and guys like Armani Rogers are over, are you saying you want them to really go out and try to address the tight end position for real this year, huh?
1: Yeah, right. They've got three good tight ends on the roster. Like I use the word good, meaning NFL caliber. I think Cole Turner's an NFL caliber tight end. Uh, I think Armani Rogers has that potential as well. And I think Logan Thomas has proven it. I know he gets a lot of flack, Mm -hmm. but I I do think that Logan Thomas, you can put him in there and he plays at an NFL caliber level. I just don't think any of the three are guys who lift your offense, Mm -hmm. right? You talk about the kittles of the world and the kelseys obviously those are guys who because of their versatility because of everything right. they can do they lift your offense they make it better uh, i don't see that in any of those guys i'm, I'm happy to pump the cole turner tires uh, i think they might be a little overinflated though after the last <laughs> couple of years.
3: that is well put my friend i think I, I agree with you a little bit about tight end and it being in an important position to need Just based on how the the members on offense and this coaching staff have used tight end in the past, we know Brian Johnson and what tight end is meant to the Philadelphia Eagles. The tight end was pretty well used in Cliff Kingsbury's offense in Arizona, so uh, definitely expect them to try to add a uh, more, more diverse receiver at that position. When you look at some of the other problem spots on the roster, Mike, Which positions would you be more inclined to to settle in the draft versus free agency? And I know we'll get a little bit of a hint as to what they'll do in the draft because free agency comes up first. But for me, I think it was Craig Hoffman. I saw Mike had mocked an edge rusher to Washington at pick number 36. When you look at how deep this edge rush class is in free agency, would you be willing to go spend high draft capital on that spot?
1: Yeah, I would if, you, if you've got a guy you like, because those, those are the positions who become superstars, right? So if I'm looking at what do I want to get in free agency versus what do I want to get in the draft, let's talk about value, right? You get value when you get a really good rookie pass rusher because that, that's four years where you're not paying right. the bills after that at a high level. You know, you can go get safeties and corners in and free agency and, and you're not paying the same premium that you do right now for a great pass rusher, and, and also – there's just more guys available. There's just more guys out there. Uh, if you have a good pass rusher, you're not letting him out of the building, you know, unless you've got a situation like, like Montez Sweat was this year, essentially, where, you know, they're essentially trying to move everything out for, for the new regime. That doesn't happen often that a guy like that's even available. And right. the Bears, of course, lock him up. He won't even make it to free agency this year. Uh, so So it's important to get talent at that position, get it young, develop it, keep it inside the building, maybe even more so than other positions. Quarterbacks, obviously the king of that example, like quarterbacks available on the open market over the last few years, like arguably the best one was Aaron Rodgers. And yeah. I mean, I think that speaks for itself.
3: <laughs> certainly, certainly. So ESPN, we were, we were uh, tossing this around before we had John as well. My ESPN did their top 50 uh, free agent fits Uh, In coming up here in the 2024 free agent class, they mocked Tony Pollard coming to the Washington Commanders. How do you think Washington ultimately chooses to address the running back position this offseason? Because I'm of the mentality, Mike, I only want contenders going out and spending premium money or draft capital on a running back. But with the state of Washington's running back room, could you see them bringing in potentially another Memphis Tiger?
1: Yeah and you know right with uh, with offensive line where it's at as well are you yeah. really setting those guys up to succeed when they come in here it's an easy thing to say on the radio it's a hard thing to do i I'd, I'd have offensive linemen first second and third on my free agent <laughs> wish list depth chart go find me the best guys available pay the money it takes to get them here right cuz you you need that immediate boost if, if you draft an offensive lineman outside of Joe Alt, obviously, he's not going to be ready year one. He's not going to give you 17 good NFL games in year one. You're going to develop them. You're looking at a year two situation. Well, if they draft a quarterback, you know, number two, uh, we're going to want to see that guy right away, and they're going to want to see that guy right away. Uh, I think to set him up for success is very important here, and I think the only way you can do that is free agency. I don't think you can do that through the drafted offensive line with a talent that's going to be available the second time you come on the board and the second time you pick. So that that's hugely important to me way more so than running back. Uh, I, I certainly, I I'd probably half agree with you mm-hmm. uh, only contending teams. I would say, unless you can find a Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. style, like guy who you know is going to put you over the top. I'd even be hesitant if I was a contending team to spend at that position. Cliff Kingsbury isn't here to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, if these guys aren't here to run the ball. Uh, These guys are here to build a modern passing offense, and I think that's where the resources need to go accordingly.
3: And you've got Brian Robinson. I love Brian Robinson. I was about to say, yeah, I I think for my money, he was probably Washington's best offensive player last year. Uh, Anthony Lynn spoke a little bit yesterday uh, about Brian Robinson and how excited he is to get to coach him. He scouted him heavy Coming out of Alabama, what is kind of your prediction for what this offense is going to look like, Mike? We got a lot of different chefs in the kitchen, uh, all coming from pretty diverse offensive backgrounds. The one commonality, though, Mike, it seems like is that all of the assistants on Washington's offensive coaching staff have worked with a mobile quarterback in the past. How do you think that ultimately influences things?
1: Yeah, I just, I'll give my caveat here that I give when we have this discussion. I think Drake May is a mobile quarterback, or at least mobile enough to play in the NFL, right? He's not Jaden Daniels. Right, of course. Jaden Daniels is in a class by himself. He's probably not Caleb Williams in terms of mobility. He can get out and move and still deliver a good ball when he needs to. Um, And and that's what you're talking about when you're talking about mobile quarterbacks, right? When the pocket collapses, can they move? Can they make a play? And he didn't have to do that a lot at North Carolina, but there's enough, you know, there's enough tape there to suggest he's a guy who can slide and move when he can look, even Sam, Howell's a guy, you know, Sam, nobody's going to call Sam Howell a mobile quarterback, of course, but Sam Howell could get out and move when he right. needs to. I, I just think increasingly you have to, that's the entry level requirement to be an NFL quarterback. Now I don't think we're going to see a lot of true pocket passers coming out. You know, JJ McCarthy's maybe the only guy I'd have fears on, <laughs> About that, in in terms of like, can he slide the pocket, move, do what he needs to do on the run? Um, You know, not talking Lamar style, but just the basics. Just the basics of can you move the pocket, can you get outside? Uh, I agree. This is a wild staff, right, Linnell? Like, you know, you've got a ton of experience, you've got a ton of head coaching experience, you've got a ton of interesting styles that are all going to mesh together. Uh, your, Your dream here, if you're Dan Quinn, is they all get in a room, you know, and become the 13 Redskins, right, where all those all those young guys came together and reinvented football, your nightmare scenario is they, they all, you know, fight with each other all year over what's best, and it ends with a lot of finger-pointing. I, I don't know. <laughs> that's going to be the fun of this season is what will they cook up in their kitchen, you know? you got a lot of talented chefs back there. I'd be very curious. Uh, you know, that that's a long way of saying I don't have an answer here, but I'm, I'm <laughs> excited to see what the answer
3: is. For sure, and I don't know if we'll get to play this audio a little bit later in the show, or maybe I'll save it for tomorrow, but Benjamin Solak of The Ringer, I know you're pretty familiar with his Mm -hmm. work probably, absolutely crushed Washington's offensive coaching staff. Uh, Him and Matt Harmon on their podcast yesterday went went off the top rope on what Washington uh, has, and it all started with Cliff Kingsbury. We know his track record and how things ended in Arizona and the, I don't know if I want to call it the rumor, but the, the trend of his offenses in Arizona kind of tailing off towards season's end. Do you have any reservations about Cliff Kingsbury's ability to, you know, operate and run in modern NFL offense? Yeah, you
1: swing by Richmond 10 to noon on 9-10 uh, the mm-hmm. plan. It's, uh, you're you're going to get a lot of that. I, I wasn't wild about the Kingsbury hire in the moment, and I can't say I've come around on it since he's, He's a one-trick pony, right? The trick is tempo. He uses tempo to, to trick defenses, um, to, you know, to disguise his looks, to catch defenses off guard, and that's fantastic. He does it really, really well, by the way. That sounds dismissive. He's one of the best to ever do it in terms of using tempo to run a great offense. You can do that in college for 12 games. Sneak it by people. The scouting rules are different. The tape rules are different. You can do that for 12 games in college. You can't do that for a 17-game NFL season, right? You've got to right. innovate. You've got to adapt as the season goes on. The track record here is he's never done that. Now, doesn't mean he'll never be able to do that, right? That's, that's the thing. You, you can crush him for that, and, and mm-hmm. I have crushed him for that. You leave open the possibility. He knows his flaw, right? right. Like, we're not, we're not discussing stuff he doesn't know. Um, but does he have that gear? Can he find that gear? We haven't seen it at any point in his coaching career. That's the fear to me. Doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't right. mean he can't mm-hmm. find it. But our track record here is a full zero in in terms of him, you know, being able to innovate late in the season and, and, and evolve and, and stay ahead of defenses.
3: Mike, what I'm about to ask you next is one of these questions I probably ask you after a hot training camp practice when we're just shooting the stuff. <laughs> we keep hearing all this talk about how collaborative everything's supposed to be over in Ashburn. When it comes to this quarterback decision, with a defensive-minded head coach, how much say-so should he have in the quarterback decision, man? Well, what
1: I, what I like about Adam Peters is he's the man, and he's clearly he the man. He's clearly got all the authority, but he doesn't like he doesn't run around flaunting it. Right? He's yeah. not, you know, walking around. I'm the man. You know, puff, puffing up his chest every chance he gets. He's yeah. talking about. how He wants to involve everybody. He wants to get everybody's opinion and. Uh, our guy Scott Abraham did an interview with Tavita Pritchard yesterday. Tevita said, you know, they they want my input into into the quarterbacks and into the draft, and and that's awesome. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, it's going to be his handwriting on the card at number two, Adam Peters. It's going to be his handwriting on the card that they walk up to the commissioner. It's going to be his pick. This is this is the sink or swim moment for him. Uh, I love that he's soliciting input. I love that he's hearing from a lot of different voices. Um, but ultimately, and and this is kind of the the crappy part for him, like. You'd you'd really like to have the number two pick in like year two as a general manager? And that's like what he, I'm saying. Yeah, get get a year to get your feet under you, right. get your scouting staff, kick the tires on everybody. Because I promise you, in San Francisco, they they never did any hypothetical exercises last year. <laughs> of what if we have the number two draft pick? That was that was never entertained in, right. in their meeting. Their scouts were not told to to go pursue that. That's the that's the issue. That's the problem here, right? Is he, he's coming in and he's making a you know, era-defining decision here (laughs) without having fully caught the ground under him. Uh, But as we say,
3: life's not fair. Life is not fair at all. And ultimately, Mike, I think you laid it out beautifully, and I'm going to talk about this in more detail when we let you go. I think just based on the track record of Adam Peters leading the draft in San Francisco, and I could just be way off my rocker with this, but I think... Uh, trading up to get the best quarterback that you want or trading back is more likely than just staying put it two for some of the reasons you mentioned. I feel like, but I don't, I don't know ultimately which way this thing will go. But you continue to hear him talk about how important it is to build through the draft and then supplementing the rest of the roster through free agency. That screams trade back to me.
1: Yeah. That's spicy. That'll get you to four o'clock right there now. Don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry about that. Um, here here's my here's my message to the fans mm-hmm. um if they trade down i don't know that they're trading down for more picks this year i think they're trading out to future years right and this mm. this is a little bit of the josh harris thing too okay i don't think he's afraid to say can we use this too and can we get first rounders in 25 and 26 uh, i mean even in 27 right yeah. and can you stretch it can you set yourself up for long-term potential long-term success I mean, the the dream is to do what the Bears did, right? Right. To, to to flip the pick and still end up right back at the top next year. Now that that requires a lot of luck as well as as skill. But I don't think this is even about accumulating picks this year. I think Adam Peters is not afraid at all to play a four year, five year long game as he's moving these picks, doing the Belichick, always trying to stay a year ahead of everybody else who, who's clamoring to get into this year's draft.
3: I've been dibbling and dabbling in the mock trade market. Michael Phillips, just a dangerous thing to do, by the way. (laughs) So I I had Washington going 11 spots back with the Las Vegas Raiders, and I tried to do something that I thought made sense. Antonio Pierce was on that coaching staff at Arizona State when Jaden Daniels was there. So I feel like they know exactly what he is and maybe they have an affinity for him and they want to go up and get their guy. In that scenario, Washington would get back pick number 13, pick number 44, pick number 77, a 2025 first, a 2025 second, and the 2026 first. Does that sound too rich or am I do I need to calm it down a little bit? It feels like when you're moving up 11 spots, Mike, you got to give up the premium
1: yeah, what what I love about that right is you're you're trying to find the sucker in the room, and <laughs> what, what I really love about that is for for 20 years we were the suckers in the All room, right? right. And, you know, as every everybody's trying to trade with with Dan Snyder, uh, you know, now now you got to find your guy. The Bears found him in David Tepper. Uh, you know, maybe it's the haircut clouding my judgment, but <laughs> I, I think you could do a lot worse than than picking Mark Davis and shooting your shot there.
3: I was about to say, man, that is. Uh... That's spicy, Mike. Look, uh, I guess before we, get, before we get you out of here, my man, do, do you have a preference as to which way you want them to go? We always ask, like, what we think they're going to do. I, I want Michael Phillips' preference. If you had it your way, if it was a Commander's Draft Burger King, Mike Phillips, what would you want?
1: Yeah, I'd turn in the card for Jaden Daniels. Look, Ooh. I'm I'm a sucker for a high ceiling, and I I agree with the people who tell you Drake May's more ready right now, and then and the floor's probably a lot higher there, right? With Drake May, you know what you're getting you're getting a guy who's going to start in this league for a number of years. Uh, I'm not trading up for Caleb Williams, it's too much to pay. You got too many other holes. I'm not playing that game. Uh, I'm not trading back because I think this is a good chance to get a franchise quarterback. Uh, I'm a sucker for a high ceiling. I'm turning in the card for Jane Daniels, it might work, it might not work. Um, but I think if it works, it would be pretty spectacular.
3: Yes, it would, my friend. I appreciate you giving us some time, as always, my man. We'll do it again soon. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir. That is Michael Phillips, ladies and gentlemen, the Prince of Bits or the King of Bits or however he wants to call himself when it comes to bits. He's a funny dude. Uh, make sure you tap into MP on the mic weekdays 10 to noon on 910 The Fan AM in Richmond and give Mike a follow on the old X app at Michael P. In RVA, We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll run through more of your calls. 301-230-0980. The call topic at hand. What is the biggest offseason need for the commanders outside of the quarterback position? We'll take your calls on that. Plus, our pal Ben Standing of the Athletic just dropped another mock draft. We'll tell you who he projected to Washington next here on the Team 980. is your reward, Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It's going to be Rack City for the Washington Commanders and free agency. 70-plus million dollars to spend to try to fill all of the different holes on this Washington Commanders roster. We're taking your calls on it. What are the biggest holes on this roster outside of the quarterback position? 301-230-0980 is the number here on the team, 980. Linnell Willingham in for Chris Russell. We'll take you up to 4 o'clock before handing things over to the DOC. Rick Doc Walker in about a half hour or so. We'll talk All Things NFL Draft when our pal Charlie Campbell of AltoFootball.com is set to join us. One of the best uh, draft sites in America when it comes to getting ready and getting you ready for draft season. He's talked to insiders and general managers and scouts all throughout the National Football League to put their detailed reports together. So we'll talk all things NFL Draft with Charlie Campbell coming up at 3 o'clock. 3.20, Denny Avdia set to join the program Fresh off of his 43-point performance last week uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans. The Wizards back in action tonight uh, on the road against the Denver Nuggets. So we'll catch up with Denny uh, before their big-time return from All-Star break a little bit later on tonight. 301-230-0980 is the number. What are your biggest offseason needs for the commanders outside of the quarterback position? I listed a couple of for you. I think edge rusher is a huge position of need for him. I think offensive tackle is going to be a huge position of need. One position of need that I I started to go into, but we didn't talk about it in detail. I really feel like like wide receiver is more of a position of need with this offense in particular than maybe we were initially led to believe. This is going to be a four wide receiver offense. That is what the air raid attack uh, consists of. If you look at four wide receivers now on Washington, the four receivers under contract: Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Deami, De, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Deami Brown, Casimir Allen. As we saw them resign him earlier today, it, just not a lot of dudes in the wide receiver room. I know they're probably going to bring back Mitchell Tinsley. I don't know if he ended up on the practice squad or what. But I do think receiver is a bigger position of need than maybe we're making it out to be. And it it leads me to think, well, what do they ultimately do with Curtis Samuel coming up in free agency? And you could say what you want about the you know multitude of different injuries that he had before the 2023 season. Between him and Brian Robinson, those were our best two offensive players last year. So if Cliff Kingsbury and this new offensive coaching staff are going back and grinding the tape, Number 10, excuse me, number 4, Curtis Samuel, and number 8, Brian Robinson for sure, are going to flash for you. Now, if Curtis is going to demand the bag, let him walk. I think you can get a receiver in the draft. But I don't know how they'll ultimately choose to address the wide receiver spot. Who knows if the receivers that we have currently, talking about Terry and Jahan, who knows if they'll be here by the time the NFL draft rolls around or by the time the regular season starts. Because if you're like me, and you're on your knees every night playing to the big man upstairs. That we can get a trade for Caleb Williams. There is no member of the roster that I would not be willing to part ways with when it comes to acquiring uh, one Caleb Williams. 301-230-0980 is the number. Steve is in Columbia. What's going, Steve?
2: Hey, how
1: you doing, Lanelle? Okay, um, I think uh, good. I think. Uh, re the
4: linebacker position because you can get some pass rush out of that. For sure. I also think tight end, and I think Logan Thomas needs to go, but we, we <laughs> need a playmaker tight end.
1: And I also say uh, edge rusher,
4: and I'm concerned about the safety position because too many times this year, even they were healthy, dudes were running down the field, and I, I didn't see the safeties anywhere near them. So
5: I don't, I don't know if we all talk about how much we like Cam Curl and all that stuff, but I don't know, man.
3: <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying on that. The, the, the safety thing is interesting, Steve, because my thing is this, like, they've invested pretty significant resources at that spot already. Derek Forrest is a former fourth round pick. Cameron Curl is someone that's going to probably receive a contract extension this summer. They drafted Quan Martin last year to take some of the responsibilities of the safety, so it kind of feels like they've already put enough eggs in that basket. To me, it's about this coaching staff getting the most out of the guys in the secondary.
5: Okay, I agree. So I,
3: I think the the new scheme mm-hmm. on defense will be the key then. Yeah, for
5: sure. We could say that. For All sure. right, sure. For deep. sure,
3: Steve. I appreciate the call All as right. always, my man. 301-230-0980. We'll take a quick timeout. More of your calls coming up next. What is the biggest offseason need for the Washington Commanders? Outside of the quarterback position, that's next. But first, a trending alert. After a night of no local sports in the area, we got a little bit of a doubleheader on tap here tonight. The Washington Capitals back in action. Alex Ovechkin looking to make it nine goals in nine games as the fellas uh, start a two-game road trip tonight uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays. A 7 p.m. face-off, 6:45 pregame coverage gets going on our sister station, 106.7 The Fan. The Caps' roommate at Capital One Arena, those Washington Wizards, they're fresh off of the All-Star break as well. They return to the hardwood tonight in the Mile High City, taking on Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Late start because it's a West Coast game. 8.45, the radio party gets started with pregame coverage. Glenn Consor, Dave Johnson gets started. 9 o'clock tip-off right here on the Team 980, and that's what's trending. I don't know what's gotten into you, Maddie Ice. But, Rooster, if you're out there listening somewhere, my man, this is the talents that your super producer has behind the glass, man. Nothing but straight gas. Woo! Coming back from commercial break, here on the Team 980, Youngest in Charge Movement, Lanelle Willingham, sitting in for the Rooster, Chris Russell, as we take you up to 4 o'clock before we hand things to the elder statesman of the roster, Rick Dockler. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get it out. I couldn't even get it out. <laughs> yeah, thanks over to the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. He's in for Craig Hoffman. it will take you uh, on your afternoon drive home. As we mentioned, Wizards basketball here on the Team 980 tonight. Uh, pre-game coverage just going at eight at 845. Uh, coming up at about 320, Denny Avdi is set to join the program. And we'll we'll talk to him about a bevy of different things, including his career-high 43-point performance the other night against the New Orleans Pelicans. So that's coming up at about... Three twenty. So I want to continue to go through the top offseason needs for the Washington commanders outside of the quarterback position. The last caller brought up linebacker and I honestly feel silly for not bringing it up, but I kind of did it on purpose. I wanted to let you guys, you know, get it on the party. I could have listed all the damn needs if I wanted to, but it's our show, baby. I want to give you all some of the love as well. Linebackers interesting. And I think the last caller made a tremendous point when we heard Joe Witt And Dan Quinn talked to the media. One thing that they were both pretty adamant about is this is not going to be the Dallas Cowboys defense of last year. This is going to be the commander's defense. And this is why it was so important for them to get a bunch of different assistants that have coached in a bevy of different defenses so they can all try to mend those minds together and come up with what DQ and Joe Wick called the commander's way of playing defense. One role that I know probably exists in that commander's way of defense is the linebacker position, and that's just not based on DQ. That's based on DQ. That's based on Joe Witt. That's based on Ken Norton Jr. being brought in, and it's also based on Adam Peters, who clearly sees the value in the linebacker position. You look at why San Francisco over the past five or six years have been so dominant on the defensive side of the football is they understand that linebacker is a premium position in the National Football League. And the beautiful thing that I love uh, about Adam Peters and the way that he's addressed linebacker in San Francisco, you don't necessarily have to go out and spend super high draft capital on what is the linebacker position. I think there's a couple of guys coming out uh, at the collegiate level that are sort of going to be those safety linebacker hybrids and It's going to be hard for teams to find a role. Those are the guys I see Washington going after. A guy like James Williams from the University of Miami. A guy like Cameron Kitchens from the University of Miami. I think that's why I think Cameron Curl is such an indispensable piece here because he is that type of chess piece that's got the versatility to play in a bunch of different spots, and he's also tough enough to where you can play him as a hybrid linebacker. I would love to know what the plan is for Cam Curl. I really would. Because imagine they asked Cam Crow to put a little bit of meat on the bones and get a little bit thicker and bigger and stronger. Imagine him playing linebacker. He's probably the guy on Washington's defense and maybe Washington's whole team outside of Brian Robinson. Let me rephrase it Brian Robinson and Cameron Crow, I think, probably have the most dog in them out of anybody on this roster. They've got the most dog in them in terms of. They're going to play balls to the walls every snap. They're going to fight through injury. And they're going to give you maximum effort on every single play. Those are the type of franchise cornerstones that you need. And some people may say, huh, a running back? How can he be a franchise cornerstone? It's about the mentality, man. Think about what Brian Robinson's been through the past two years. His rookie season had a tremendous training camp, burst onto the scene. Then the damn man got shot. And then when they brought him back, they used him and he was able to help this football team down the stretch in 22, this year, his sophomore campaign, Eric Bienemi, comes over, and Brian Robinson had to be licking his chops, thinking about how he could fit in this offense. He went out and worked on his hands, got better as a receiver. He was faster. He was stronger. Yet, for whatever reason, they didn't use him enough. I expect Cliff Kingsbury and this offensive coaching staff next year to make sure Brian Robinson is one of the focal points of the offense. In my opinion may differ Right from others in the fan base, but dude, like he is—I don't want to call him an elite talent, but but he's an elite talent from my perspective. And I know he lacks the breakaway speed that some people talk about, but in terms of the vision and making people miss and and running as hard as he does, he's good in pass pro. Like I I think Brian Robinson is a complete of a back as there as there is in the National Football League. It's about this coaching staff. Getting the most out of them. Let's go to Cliff in D.C. Cliff, what do you think the biggest needs are outside what's of the quarterback here? What's going
5: on? Hey, what's going on? Um, the player, um, the position we need to fill outside of quarterback, like you said, is like the last caller said, linebacker. But here's three, three linebackers to pick from. If we can get two of them, um, you already, I already heard you say Brian Burns. He's 25 years old. He's more of an edge rusher, um, though. I feel like right. Yeah, but he's a linebacker. Right, technically. Right, right. Here. Um, here's one that Adam Peters knows personally. He just played for the Tennessee Titans, Ali Al Shire. Ooh, is he a free agent? Yes, he's un- an okay. un- unrestricted un- free agent okay. for the Tennessee Titans. Used to be a 49er. Okay. Just racked up over 160 plus tackles. Dog. And he's a tackling machine.
3: Yep. I'm
5: familiar with and- him. I, and I heard the Baltimore Ravens are not going to be able to sign Patrick Queen because he gonna cost too much, and the Ravens cannot match Washington's cap if he doesn't go to Seattle. Now, at wide receiver. Yeah. Now, wide receiver. If they don't bring back Samuel, or if they can't bring back Curtis Samuel, I was thinking maybe they should bring back Antonio Gibson, moving back to his natural position at wide receiver because hmm. he's he's much physical, he's a bigger receiver. And use him as an emergency running back in case Robinson or Hump or um, Rodriguez, Rodriguez yeah. were, um, were to get injured.
3: Now that's interesting. Talking about moving Gibby back to wide receiver, I got another linebacker name for you, Clip, because I know you're heavy on these linebackers. Oren Burke. Oh, and I had another too. I'm glad I didn't hang up. I had another thing too. O- Oren Burke. You familiar with him? He's in San Francisco right now as well, and he's slated to be a free agent. But I like the, I the kid name. that you named out of Tennessee. I think he could play. Yeah, he just racked up over 160-plus sacks, And if they could,
5: on a cheap and friendly deal, when they get their defense all set up, because you can't never have more than one pass rusher, right. if you're open to it, would you consider them bringing back Chase Young on a friendly deal and just let him be a pass rusher? No rundowns, just playing pass rushing um, situations. And I'll sit back and listen. Wow,
3: Cliff. I know that's going <laughs> to get the people hot under the collar talking about the idea of Chase Young potentially coming back here to Washington. I don't think that's something that Chase would necessarily be on board for, considering how tumultuous the ending was. But y'all know I'm not the guy that's going to come up here and bash Chase Young and act as if he can't still turn into a good football player.
2: I mean, you created the Chase sexual name.
3: (laughs) Some of the – but Matt – Matt, the thing that I feel like people are getting caught up on is that one play in the NFC Championship game where all of his teammates were loafing, not just him, but of course we here in Washington point out, Chase. Look, I, I said it at nauseam when the whole situation was going on. I think he's got to have a little bit more self-awareness when it comes to how he carries himself on the football field, uh, outside of the football field, in the locker room, around his teammates, et cetera. The one thing that I that I take into account, and I follow a lot of the guys on social media. I even play video games with some of the guys every now and then. They all posted Chase Young making it to the Super Bowl on their social medias. Cam Curl, uh, De'Ami Brown, um, some other members of the defense. I think Deron Payne had posted it. Like uh, Benjamin St. Jude's posted the relationship between Chase and his teammates. I don't think it's as sour as some people make it out to be. I don't know if his relationship with maybe the coaching staff is even as sour as people make it out to be. I think he was not a fan of the way Ron Rivera and company handled his return from the messaging to the media and, and, and everything about it. They felt He felt like talking to people in his camp that they kind of left him out to dry to be attacked and picked apart on social media, and when you're talking about a former number number two overall pick, they needed to do a little bit better job when it comes to damage control for helping out Chase Young from a public relations standpoint. Youngest in charge, Sean. and Sensi. What's going on?
0: I'm good, Linnell. Thanks. Uh, child, Maddie Ice is cooking in the booth Cooks today. Cook, Can we can we
3: get a request from my dog? He's versatile. He can play anything you want.
0: Well, I'm not going to request him because I trust his judgment. But what I will say is, first things first, rest in peace. um, Oh, my God. I was practicing (laughs) this for 10 minutes and I messed it up. First things first, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. For real. For real. This linebacker core is so bad, there are no role models. We need to get them all out. That's what I want to start
3: with. I, dig I apologize
0: it. for butchering it. No, I dig it. I get what you're know.
3: doing. I dig what you're doing. Yeah. I get it. That's hard, man.
0: Yeah. Um, and just going off of that, that's my most important position besides quarterback is getting a real, gritty, hard-nosed yep. GD linebacker. Mm. I am so sick of these GD bums coming <laughs> off of the Panthers or David Mayo shouldn't have been in the NFL. <laughs> I don't know how. He should, he should learn how to speak Chinese. Go play in the Chinese league over He should not be in the NFL mm, at God. all. Cody Barton, oh. maybe the last guy, maybe a
3: practice squad player. But I'm not going to – I don't want to talk bad on Jamin Davis. No, I love Jamin. I, let, me, let me say this, Sean. I yeah. love Jamin if he can figure out how, how, to, how to stay out the courtroom. That, that's what I love yeah, for Jamin. Yeah, exactly. I, I was going to – I was gonna make a joke about
0: that, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he he there might be something there, but a guy like Patrick Queen, I mean, obviously Roquan Smith makes him look better. Well, yeah, I
3: know that's but, the consensus. That's,
0: yeah, a guy like Patrick Queen, I'll t- I just want a linebacker who I think I think was Ryan Anderson. Who mm-hmm. was, it, it, he said it a couple of years ago. He said something like, "If I can remember my grandkids' names, I I didn't play the game the right way." <laughs> and although he didn't pan out, right. he may have not panned out. I want that type of energy. I want guys who are going to come in here and they want to hit people so hard. I think like Brian Dawkins once said, I'm going to take his soul. I want people <laughs> to start taking souls at FedEx Field. I'm sick of people coming in and taking our soul. I hear what That's you're saying. It. And I think. Thank you, NL. Sean Shout out, Pre- Matty
3: Ice. Have a great day. Yes, sir. Appreciate the call as always, my brother. I think, first of all. I mean, just. Woo! Just a round of applause for Sean with the energy that he brought. I hear what he's saying, though. And I think the reason that mentality is lacked here in Washington isn't all on the players. I think that messaging has to come from your coaching staff. That has to come from the people up top. What type of team are we going to be? What type of team are we going to be? I was all juiced up. I was ready to run through the damn glass in the building here when I was listening to Joe Witt in his introductory press conference. I don't know verbatim how he said it, but this is how I took it. There's a certain lifestyle that you got to live by to play in this locker room. There's a certain, there's a certain way you got to carry yourself on a day-to-day basis to be a member of this football team. It is eat or be eaten. And I hope with this star-studded coaching staff that they put together that that message easily uh, trickles down throughout the rest of the coaching staff. We'll take a quick timeout, and we come back as promised. New mock draft from The Athletic, a pal Ben Standig picking on behalf of the Washington Commanders. I'll tell you what he did with the Commanders' number two overall pick next on you know, the Team 980. All I know is I've been bobbing my head coming back from every break, so you're doing something right. Maddie Ice keeping us up to speed and under control on the other side of the glass. You're on the Chris Russell Show, Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. About an hour left to go in the program. My voice almost just cracked there. <laughs> a second. The youngest in charge has hit puberty, people, so don't don't worry about that. Uh, Coming up in about 10 minutes, our pal Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com is set to join us. And anyone that hasn't went on to WalterFootball.com, if you're looking for really good insight on the top prospects coming out of the draft and detailed scouting reports with info from scouts and general managers and executives throughout the NFL, uh, make sure you go to WalterFootball.com. They do a tremendous job uh, digging and diving and doing the hard research to put together you know, a really good mock draft. I believe it's since 2017 they've had the most accurate media mock draft, uh, so they do a darn good job. Charlie Campbell, one of their draft analysts, set to join us coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. We'll ask him his thoughts on the top quarterback prospects and we got a little bit of an answer on the top quarterback prospects in the draft. Ben Standing of The Athletic participated in The Athletic's mock draft earlier today and with this number two overall pick, Ben Standing had the Washington Commanders pulling the trigger on, guess what, people? A quarterback. Which quarterback, though, is the interesting thing here? They end up going. Oh, mom's had a sneeze attack. Is
2: that... that wasn't a pause for yeah. timing. That was a legitimate sneeze at the worst
3: time possible. It was just absolutely kind of awful. But the mock draft in The Athletic, uh, Ben Standing picked on behalf of the Washington Commanders, and he had them taking Drake May, number two overall, the UNC quarterback. And here's the explanation from our pal Ben Standing. Whatever noise the rumor mill spits out over the next few weeks, don't assume the Commanders' new football leaders have already reached a consensus. Due diligence requires consideration of trading up to secure Williams, a D.C. area native, or moving down a significant haul would accelerate the current roster recalibration as Coach Dan Quinn described it. However, the most likely outcome is choosing between May and LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. We'll go with the younger of the two. May is 21, Daniels is 23 with the prototypical size 6'4", 230, and arm talent and familiarity with the version, with a version of the air raid offense that new coordinator Cliff Kingsbury plans to run. So that's Ben Standig shooting his shot at the number two overall pick and what the commanders uh, will ultimately do. And look at that, Matty Ice. I mean, we're getting a lot of burn on the old FS1, man. They love talking burgundy and cold on Colin Cowherd's show, man. It's honestly pretty funny. Well, it's actually even more funny because
2: Mm -hmm. Colin said, and with his prediction for us winning the NFC East, a large portion of that was us drafting Drake May. that he said with us drafting Drake may that puts us as the number one athletic quarterback in our conference in a conference that is defined by the athletic quarterback. And that would be a leading factor for us winning the NFC East.
3: Wow. I don't know. Colin Cowherd is normally out there, but he's damn good at what he does. Anyone. I'm a huge fan of the whole lineup on, on FS one. I'm a big first things first fan. I love Nick, Wright. Um, now, if you agree with the
2: Rooster, him picking us to win the NFC East just gave us the death coffin.
3: But- well, yeah, I heard Rooster's thoughts on that. That's normally how it goes, though, right? Whenever the media and everyone else is hot on us, we fall on our face. Remember the 2021 season? That's, that's the thing that we all point back to. All the expectations that we had, and you limped into the playoffs, and then, pfft, that wasn't me passing gas. That was the commanders falling on their face.
2: Do you remember who was uh, working up at CBS Sports Radio in 2021?
3: Would that be the man behind the glass, Matthew? Has?
2: It would be. Uh, there was a single person that was very excited at the beginning of the season, and it got real real ugly very quickly into that season.
3: So were they, like, teasing you up there? Because I know that's like Giants and Jets country.
2: Oh, it was not. It it wasn't great, but the good thing is every time somebody would laugh at me, I was like, yeah, just focus
3: on the Jets. I think I won Two three zero zero ninety. Let's go to Joe in Oxon Hill. Joe, what what is your number one position of need uh, for Washington outside of quarterback
4: here? Yes. I, hey, what's going on? What's man? going on, man? Hey, I, like you said, quarterback of course is a, a big question mark on what we're going to do here. But let's just be real. Um, we need to show up that offensive line. Uh, if unless we have, unless sure. we're getting going back in time and getting mm-hmm. Michael Vick, so he can uh, run around all day and make plays on his own. We have to give the op- the quarterback, whoever's going to be QB1, we're going to have to give him an opportunity to run our offense. I think we did Sam uh, somehow uh, injustice last year by not shoring up that line. And as you can see, he got mm-hmm. pocket shot and started looking at that line and not looking at his reads yep. eventually in this season. And uh, even with Jacoby Brissett, hey, if he would have started, he would have got probably got hurt. Yeah. And howe would have had to play anyway. He already did get hurt.
3: He already did get hurt. Remember, he was supposed to start versus San Fran.
4: Exactly. But if he would have started in right. the beginning of the season, instead of uh, our, quote, coach giving the job to Howell, uh, if he would have started because of our O-line deficiencies, he probably would have gotten hurt early sure. in the season and Howe would have had to play anyway, and we would have been in you know, a bad situation anyway with that O-line. If We, just, we didn't give ourselves a chance there. Didn't give the enemy a chance there. Not really want well, to touch that. <laughs>
3: <And> Joe, <laughs> I appreciate I, I think, Joe. I appreciate the call. I want I want you to listen to this off air because I was gonna get into this, but the way the clock has gone today, we haven't gotten the opportunity to get into this. There was a stat given out yesterday, man. I don't know if you're too familiar with this. You know what? I'm gonna save it for tomorrow. I'm gonna save it for tomorrow. We got we got a bunch of radio dude. Let's save it for tomorrow. Want <clears throat> to talk all things NFL draft though. Coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour, Charlie Campbell, draft analyst for WalterFootball.com, is set to join us. We'll ask him his opinion on the top quarterbacks in the NFL draft, and then we talked about edge rusher a little bit earlier today. I was a little bit hot under the collar with some mock drafts having an edge rusher projected to Washington at pick number 36. When Charlie Campbell joins us, we'll ask him about the 2024 edge rusher class as well. That's next here on the Team 980.